The year is 2006 in Robbinsville, New Jersey. A young boy in eighth grade is riding the bus to his small, Catholic K-8 school with class sizes only reaching 60 students per grade. His friends seated nearby begin to talk about a new Disney Channel original movie, High School Musical. This film has a little something for any 14-year-old. Catchy tunes, a cast of heartthrobs, and resounding claps that could cure even Garfield's case of the Mondays. Due to the restrictive channel selections of the headache-inducing cable company Comcast, it isn't until months later that the boy is able to watch this film, and when he does, he is mesmerized. He wonders if this is what his life will be like when he attends high school in just a matter of weeks. But he is in for a rude awakening. His high school is a small, Catholic, all-boys school in Texas. And with school productions like The Crucible and The Man Who Came to Dinner, there isn't even any singing in the theater department, let alone the hallways. In his room at night, the boy looks up at the night sky, wondering if somewhere out there, there's a school just like East High from High School Musical. And that boy was me. East High School, the primary setting of the High School Musical trilogy, is set in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and has it all. In fact, the campus and its amenities are so polished that it actually doesn't even seem realistic for an average high school in the United States. This film franchise portrays an idyllic version of what an all-American high school should be. But is this school that should be truly something that could be? My name is Mike Schubert, and this is Modern Muckraker. My team and I tirelessly plunge the depths of investigative journalism by answering the hard-hitting questions no one has dared or wanted to ask. Today, we will investigate the burning query that has been on the minds of millennials and high school musical fans for 15 years. Is the budget of East High School from High School Musical realistic for a public school in Albuquerque, New Mexico? While the East High in the High School Musical franchise is set in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the actual East High used for filming is located in Salt Lake City, Utah. If your initial instinct upon hearing this information was confusion, since these two locations seem vastly different from one another, that's because they are. Despite sharing the same number of NBA championships, zero, Utah and New Mexico don't have much in common. For example, Utah has an NBA team, and New Mexico doesn't. But the differences don't stop there. And most importantly for our discussion, these two states are worlds apart when it comes to public schooling. According to the World Population Review, New Mexico came in 50th place in a study ranking each state's public schools according to education quality and safety. Yes, 50th, as in last place. Utah, however, ranked 18th. But our study here at Modern Muckraker isn't about the quality of education at East High School, and how could it be? High School Musical features more songs than visible backpacks. 
Clearly, education is not a priority at the fictional East High. And it's not really a concern for us either. We here at Modern Muckraker are honing in on the budget of the school. In this episode, we will detail the various school amenities shown in the high school musical films, discuss their estimated costs, and compare those to the average budget for a comparable public school in real-life Albuquerque, New Mexico. We'll consider the athletic department, the theater department, the chemistry department run by a Mr. Walter White, the music room, the rooftop garden, and of course, the iconic tiered cafeteria. To note, I will perform jazz squares during each musical interlude of this episode. I recognize this podcast is an audio medium, so you cannot see me doing them, but rest assured that I will be absolutely nailing every single one. To give us a sense of what aspects of the High School Musical sets were real and which were more movie magic, we went directly to someone with firsthand experience. I'm Haley Hastings. I attended East High School from 2002 to 2003. We spoke with Haley to determine if the actual East High School is truly that picturesque or if Disney transformed it into the glamorous, top-notch campus we see in the movies. Yeah, for the most part, it's pretty accurately represented in the movie. They did use some movie magic to turn stairwells into hallways and the like, but for the most part, there weren't a lot of changes that were done to the high school in order to film the movies. I was absolutely elated to hear that my adolescent dream of the perfect all-American high school was possibly not a dream at all. My dream school had just been hiding in Salt Lake City this whole time. But still, we must separate the dream from reality and determine if East High's budget matches those of comparable schools in Albuquerque. Just like the first and third films of the franchise, our budget breakdown begins with basketball. As made clear by the facilities, uniforms, and number of banners that puts the Game of Thrones red wedding to shame, East High directs a significant amount of funding into their athletics department. In the first high school musical film, each of the 12 members of the Wildcats men's basketball team has his own personalized home and away jerseys, practice jerseys, shoes, red tracksuit, and white tracksuit, which begs the question, weren't reversible tracksuits an option? It would also appear that East High School provides a laundry service for their locker rooms, as much to the dismay of Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, the students shower after every practice. In High School Musical 3, which takes place canonically the following school year after the events of High School's Musical 1 and 2, the entire basketball team has undergone a makeover like a schlubby straight man on Queer Eye. In the first film, the Wildcats sported generic, all-white sneakers seemingly from the clearance rack at Payless Shoes. In High School Musical 3, however, the players wore Nike Shocks Elites, the DeLorean of shoes, sporting personalized stitching that read Wildcats across the tongue. These shoes retailed at $100 each in 2008, and since the team expanded to 14 players that season, East High spent $1,400 on the shoes of one team alone. The basketball team's upgrades were not just limited to podiatral improvements, though. East High gave the team a fresh set of redesigned jerseys, as well as a red sweatsuit set and a white sweatsuit set worthy of only two teams, the Wildcats and Missy Elliott's backup dancers. 
Against all odds, the gym was given more banners, and other additions included a repainted floor as well as hanging retired jerseys of former Wildcat legends. Two assistant coaches were added to the roster and in turn the school's payroll. The sideline chairs were upgraded, the cheerleaders received new uniforms, and reversible flyers were given to the students to spell out motivational messages during the games such as generic paw prints and go. Even the Wildcat mascot got an external upgrade via a new costume and an internal upgrade as Ryan Evans donned the getup, a grave misuse of his talents. We've discussed what takes place within the gym, but what about the gym itself? Does it accurately represent the gym in the East High of Salt Lake City? Or like TikTok contouring videos, is it just an illusion? Our East High expert Haley gave us the answers. It's a fairly decent-sized gym, and it's pretty nice. Haley not only confirmed that the gym in the films is the same gym of the actual school, but it's also the larger and slightly nicer of two gyms on campus. We must assume that the smaller gym wasn't suitable for athletes to burst into song and dance. Perhaps the acoustics just weren't right. To determine if the pristine gym of East High in Salt Lake City could feasibly exist at a comparable public school in Albuquerque, we conducted extensive research of construction costs and annual budgets. We also consulted dozens of photographs in order to make visual comparisons. We found the gymnasium at East High to be a step above the standard for Albuquerque schools, but not in a completely different league. Though the construction costs of East High's gym are certainly higher, it would be plausible for a New Mexico public school to have similar athletic facilities as long as every other aspect of the school wasn't as robust. Now that our heads are in the game, let's put our hearts in the song and discuss the theater department. East High's facilities have everything a real-life theater kid could want. A top-of-the-line performing arts center, a professional lighting and sound system, and a plethora of Broadway-worthy sets. Even some of the microphones are bedazzled like they're fresh off a win of Pretty Pretty Princess. But that's more of an individual student choice, so we'll leave that out of the school budget for now. The auditorium is a full-blown performing arts center comparable to a higher-end regional theater venue. Using the state-of-the-art method of pausing the movie at various times and counting the seats, we estimated the capacity to be 1,200. It's a space so magical that any theater kid upon first entering would proudly proclaim that this venue is If you think this auditorium is simply too good to be true, you would actually be correct. Technically, Haley informed us that the theater scenes in High School Musical were actually not filmed at the real East High in Salt Lake City, but at a nearby high school in Utah called Murray High School. The East High Auditorium is fine. The high school that they did use had recently gone under a huge renovation, and they have a big focus on the performing arts at that other high school. So there was a lot of attention to detail put into the auditorium there, and if I had to guess, that would be why. A comparable high school to Murray High in the Albuquerque Public School District is the Moriarty School of Performing Arts, a school for aspiring young evil masterminds. This school has a performing arts center that seats 600 and cost $5 million to build. So if we double based on seating capacity, the fictional East High Auditorium would have a construction cost of $10 million. So why didn't Disney just use the performing arts space at the real East High? 
Well, much like Sharpay Evans' 25 minutes and 9 seconds into High School Musical 3, the High School Musical franchise wanted it all. They wanted the most picturesque cafeteria, gymnasium, and performing arts center, and East High, or really any other American public school, couldn't provide them with all of that. In addition to the spacious stage and seating area of the auditorium, the fictional East High also features premium amenities behind the scenes, the most indulgent of which are the private dressing rooms seen in High School Musical 3. True to form, Sharpay Evans, who, despite not even landing a leading role in the spring musical, has her own private dressing room with some particularly notable and expensive features. A pink neon sign of her initials on the door, an enormous wardrobe, decorative wallpaper, a pink suede sofa, a reading chair, a personalized bedazzled director's chair, and a pink mannequin donning furry, avant-garde garb. And while this is more than any high schooler and many professional theater actors could hope for, we checked with Haley to see if this was the standard practice of the real East High. I highly doubt any remodeling is being done for any high school student, regardless of their diva status, but we can all agree that Miss Sharpay Evans is an icon in and of herself, and she deserved it. Using the catalogs of posh furniture retailers, we estimated Sharpay's lavish but on-brand additions to total $2,395, which is $2,395 more dollars than Sharpay is being paid to participate in this production. Now, much like a billionaire after mere seconds, let's steer away from the space itself and hone in on what happens inside the theater, the musicals. When considering the cost of East High's productions, we first looked at the most lavish aspect of the place, the sets. But like a subscription requirement message in front of any article on a newspaper's website, we ran into stoppages while searching for the information we were after. We contacted folks involved with the production of the High School Musical trilogy in hopes of learning the costs of the set pieces used in the films. However, out of fear of retribution from the Disney Corporation unleashing their cryogenically frozen and historically anti-Semitic founder upon them, they backed out quickly like Vin Diesel driving his Dodge Charger out of an aircraft. But call us McFadden and Whitehead, because there ain't no stopping us now. We went on the move and brought in a different expert. Hi, I'm Gordon Cox, and I'm the contributing theater editor at Variety and the host of Variety's Stagecraft podcast. In the first film, the sets are relatively simple with some noteworthy features. A whimsical tree, basic fly lines, and a very detailed prop camel. But overall, the set pieces that we see aren't too outlandish. After viewing the films, Gordon said that in his expert opinion, the set is slightly above standard but not outside the realm of reality for a high school theater production. They feel sort of agreeably homemade, a little more, there's sort of a bit of a giant moon at one point that I feel like, well, that's a whole other thing that might be a little beyond most high schools. Ah, yes, the moon. I'm glad you brought up the moon because I find it to be the most captivating but also pointless element of the set. Do you have any sort of insight as to what that moon is made out of? Is it wood? Is paper mache involved? It is probably a flat of some sort. So it would have to be lightweight because it flies in and out. And so I would guess it was some sort of plywood or it could be a sort of canvasy thing stretched over a frame, although I suspect it's really sort of cut out of thin, lightweight wood and then painted and then stabilized with maybe some, uh, some sort of scaffolding behind it. And then it's, you know, put on uh, wires. In all, 
The theater sets in the first High School Musical film are relatively modest, especially compared to the final installment in the trilogy. Since the play is simply in auditions, we only get glimpses of the set elements as opposed to the full sets. According to Gordon, from what we can see, the sets are comparable with an off-off-Broadway play. You know, it could be $10,000 off-Broadway. I mean, and that can go up. That's a low estimate, probably, based on whether you're including union labor and all sorts of other variables. Okay, I think that makes sense. I do think that East High would save some funds on the production because it does seem that Miss Darbus requires students in detention to build her sets, which may seem unethical and may justify why kids are getting detention for seemingly unwarranted reasons. I think that's a very smart point. And I think those kids in detention are going to organize at some point. I would hope that they do. Jumping forward to High School Musical 3, things start to feel like pulling hard on a push-only door. It gets a little unhinged. There is a meta-plot wherein the now-senior students put on a musical about their experience at East High as a way of saying goodbye to the school. Just as the plot of this production becomes more elaborate, so do the sets. One could say that this was due to the fact that the third installment of the film franchise received more funding than its predecessors and was given a theatrical release, or perhaps there is an answer within the HSM cinematic universe. Perhaps after their stellar performance in their junior year, Troy and Gabriella shone so bright, not as bright as the giant moon, but still, that they truly put East High on the map as a premier theater school. Maybe this newfound success earned them additional funding, potentially from a generous Albuquerque-based benefactor named Heisenberg who made his millions selling Blue Sky. Regardless of the money's source, it is clear that the theater department in the fictional East High underwent a massive upgrade, taking it from an off-off-Broadway production to one that's on par with a Broadway musical. I've seen a fair amount of plays in my time, some at the Schubert Theater, which is not named after my family. Those heathens that own the theater spell Schubert without the C. But if the box office asks, yes, Mr. Schubert is certainly my father. But having seen plays across New York City, I can say with confidence that having similar sets to a Broadway production seems excessive for a high school. Upon our 15th viewing of the movie, we noted seven different set locations, at least from what we see, all of which move very smoothly and swiftly in a highly automated process. There's an abundance of neon and large bulb lights with a plethora of effects. There's an entire faux basketball court and a giant treehouse. People are lowered from the ceiling. Just like me utilizing a grocery store self-checkout counter without needing employee assistance, it's a seamless and grandiose spectacle. For those of you interested in saving some time, the universal PLU code for a standard yellow banana is 4011. If I saw the musical in High School Musical 3 on Broadway, I would guess that set would cost at the low end $350,000. Maybe 500. I don't know. It just depends on sort of the producer and what the materials are and all sorts of other variables. But in the hundreds of thousands is a very safe bet. Unfortunately, the Albuquerque Public High School Theater Department heads would not disclose their budgets to us. However, we've taken an educated guess and determined that last year's production of Grease didn't have a price tag of half a million dollars. 
we've covered the stage, the lights, the ample seating from which Sharpay's parents applaud while wearing full Indian garb for no reason at all. But what about the resources responsible for creating those jaunty tunes? Unlike the University of Alabama, East High School is not an institution centered on the mantra of, we play sports. Oh, and there are other features of this school. East High spends as freely on jock-related endeavors as they do on the endeavors of the thespians those jocks like to stuff in lockers. An early glimpse of this spending can be seen in High School Musical 1, where Troy and Gabriella rehearse breaking free in the music room with the quirky musical prodigy Kelsey, surrounded by a swath of orchestral instruments. The music room seems plausible enough, aside from a few small details. First, there's never an instance of a sad band geek eating their sandwich alone, and two, the instruments, like many other things at East High, are numerous and state-of-the-art. The visible instruments alone include a Kirchner baby grand piano, a smaller piano, three cellos, two baritone horns, a guitar, two double basses, a gong, two tubas, two flugelhorns, two French horns, a saxophone, a trumpet, a trombone, marimbas, a drum set, timpani, and a set of crotales, which is actually a set of tiny cymbals, not a shape of pasta. We searched online for the prices of student versions of all these instruments, and we found that the total cost of just the instruments visible in the background is an astonishing $27,951. That is actually enough money to buy a professional sports team, if in the definition of professional sports, you include the American Ultimate Frisbee League. And yes, we do. Yet we also wondered, how many of these instruments are provided by the school and how many are purchased by the students? If we act like a startup company and give East High far too much slack, we could say that all of the carryable instruments are provided by the students and left in the music room for safekeeping during the day. It's strange that none of these instruments would be kept in their protective cases, but perhaps the students in Albuquerque have no regard for their parents' money. Even if we operate under the assumption that East High only provided the larger instruments, the marimbas, drums, timpani, crotales, and the pianos, that's still an estimated cost of $12,519. That money could buy you a brand new Chevrolet Spark, or 400 new funky hats for Kelsey to buy at the Limited 2. Possibly the most surreal setting in the fictional East High, aside from the fully functional auto body shop, which yes, is actually a thing as confirmed by our woman on the ground Haley, is the picturesque rooftop garden, which serves as the romantic meeting place for our lovebirds Troy and Gabriella. Although the rooftop scenes were shot at the real East High in Utah, our top East High aficionado Haley says unfortunately that was all movie magic. I wish, but I also feel like that is where some um, not appropriate high school shenanigans would have happened had it actually existed. In the films, the rooftop garden is a large, curated patio space that could have only been dreamt up by the hotter property brother. Don't act like you don't know which one I'm talking about. There are several cement garden beds, each containing an array of colorful desert plants. There are sizable planters holding ficuses and palms, as well as many smaller, unpotted flowers on carts, making the garden look like that final section of Ikea that no childless millennial can pass through without getting a succulent. Since we're as capable of estimating landscaping and building costs as Troy is to being honest with his father about his love of singing, we spoke with someone more knowledgeable on the subject. Hi everyone, I'm Jake Masters. I'm a plans examiner and building inspector for a local municipality in New York. I am a New York State certified code enforcement official, 
and I am entrusted with enforcing the Uniform Fire Prevention and Building Code for my municipality. We sent Jake screenshots from the film so he could get familiar with the structures and landscaping as seen in High School's Musical 1 and 3. Thankfully, he went above and beyond and watched all relevant scenes in the trilogy, which is every single one. To give you a visual breakdown on this audio medium, the structure is what some would call basic, but a coffee shop would call rustic. There are five rows of four wooden posts, stairs, and a corrugated steel roof. The perfect place for Troy Bolton to ponder his internal struggles. Sometimes I don't want to be the basketball guy. I just want to be a guy, you know? Oh, I know Troy. And although any type of rooftop garden may be a rarity in most public schools, Jake says that these structures are commonly seen in the construction world and that he's personally worked on quite a few. He broke down the cost into three main components, the building materials, the labor, and the landscaping, or the actual treatment of the roof. For building materials, he estimates the wood structure measures about 15 by 30 feet. He also estimated building material costs for Albuquerque, New Mexico. And after mentally rebuilding the structure like some sort of Apollo Ono of construction, Jake gave us the calculated estimate that this structure on the rooftop would end up costing around $6,500 to $7,000 depending on materials. That is the total price tax included. For labor, we can rely mostly on either student workforce, supervised student workforce, or the faculty. So in this specific scenario of the rooftop garden being a part of a public school, we'll omit what would otherwise be a standard cost of labor. Maybe these were the kids who were too misbehaved for Ms. Darbus's set painting detention. What Jake also noted was the cost of the landscaping, which is considerably pricey. But if they were just to buy the plants themselves, I'm looking anywhere between four dollars to $5,000 on the low end because they had some specialty plants up there and planters, so... You could even push that to five, six thousand dollars just for the plants, but on the low end, average four to five thousand dollars. So I'm seeing a grand total here. Today's price is all in with the plants and the structure itself of about ten thousand five hundred dollars to twelve thousand if they use higher grade material. Now that we've gotten past the literal nuts and bolts of the rooftop costs, we were curious about the actual plausibility of this space. This is an unfenced rooftop on a public high school building that appears to be freely accessible to students at all hours, unmonitored by adult supervision. We wanted to get Jake's expert opinion on whether he would deem this location up to safety code and regulations. That particular roof was built and designed to be for utility access strictly, which means you would have one to two utility workers up there at a time to service mechanical equipment, HVAC, what have you, all the exhaust vents and ducts that are up there, the roof itself, but never meant to be for assembly purposes. Few things would kill the mood more than two burly men fixing an HVAC unit as Gabriella confesses her undying love for Troy. And since the last thing we would want is for our heroine to take an accidental dive while doing a romantic waltz over cement slabs and high heels, we probed Jake on what safety measures he would implement if this were a garden on an actual rooftop. This included installing guardrails along the uh, perimeter of the rooftop, along the parapet wall. There are skylights that I saw. Those, those would be barriered off, you know, so that no one can dance, move around, and then fall through the skylight. You would also have barrier protection and weather protection around the mechanical equipment itself that's on the roof. 
so that people can't just dislodge something or damage it. Uh, as I saw um, Zach Efron, that we jumped up on top of a mechanical duct at one time, an exhaust hood. For the purposes of the movie, I'm sure that they fortified something like that or built something fake. But he he fully jumped up on it and and brought Vanessa Hutchins up there, and that would have collapsed if that was a true exhaust hood. So so if you're going to have occupiable space, you need lighting. You need emergency lighting. You need egress routes identified. So you're going to have illuminated exit signs. You're going to have illuminated egress paths for when it gets dark out and at nighttime. You're also going to have at least two exits off the roof that go through the building down to the level of exit discharge as what the building code states. I only saw one, which again indicates to me that it was just meant for utility access only. So, um, I would say that they definitely failed their inspection in terms of that safety and occupiable space. But what if we wanted to give Haley and the other students at the real East High the rooftop garden experience they so sadly missed out on? We asked Jake what the cost would be to get this space up to code as a, quote, occupiable space. You have to bring that down to the design level. So the rooftop itself would have to go back to the drawing board because normally this would be considered ahead of time, like when they're building the building. So they can design fortification of, of areas of the roof. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about getting engineers and architects involved to bring this back down to the drawing board to post-retrofit structural elements from either underneath or on top or both. Engineers and architects, they don't touch a project like that for a, a, a school for anything less than uh, twenty to thirty to $50,000, depending on the extent of the structural analysis that has to be done. For the installation of a bonus rooftop garden that doesn't exist in the real-life high school, that's a total cost of $30,500 on the low end or $62,000 on the high end. When comparing this to the budget of an average Albuquerque public high school, at the high end, the maintenance and grounds budget for the 2019-2020 school year was $20,840. That's only about one-third of Jake's high-end cost estimate. You can't even buy a Frisbee team with that. That also does not even cover the cost of Jake's low-end estimate. So even if we spend the entire landscaping budget of a high-end Albuquerque public school on the rooftop garden alone, it wouldn't be enough to feature sufficiently luscious plants and wouldn't be safe enough to protect the wildcats in the event of a fire, which is bound to happen given the spark of Troy and Gabriella's burning affection. Unless you attended Hogwarts, your high school's dining hall probably consisted of folding tables, fluorescent lights, and linoleum floors. Unsurprisingly, the cafeteria in High School Musical is spectacular. The fictional East High's cafeteria is a massive tiered space that serves as both a dining area and an amphitheater for the students to break into angsty song and dance. We touched base with Haley for a reality check. Oh, absolutely. It is a tiered cafeteria, and in classic high school form, it is a hierarchy where freshmen are always on the lower level, and sophomores are typically cramming themselves on that middle level, and then the upperclassmen are hanging around at the top, and some epic food fights are known to break out there. But yes, that is the cafeteria. This was a stunning revelation, as we guessed that this premium space could have been a film set entirely. Naturally, we then did a deep dive into the built-in elements of the cafeteria, the plexiglass murals, railings, tables, etc., and found that the cost of these features wasn't significantly greater than the cost of those of an average Albuquerque public school. 
but we still wanted to ensure we were keenly aware of what was and wasn't fictional throughout the set of the films, so we turned to another expert. My name is Juliana Varner. I am a Disney nerd of all sorts um, with a specific focus in High School Musical. Again, with the production team of the HSM trilogy giving us the cold shoulder like Chad Danforth does to Troy Bolton after each instance of Troy achieving personal success, we turn to external sources for our information here. Thankfully, Juliana was exceptionally knowledgeable about the budget elements of the three films. In terms of total movie budgets, definitely increased for each movie. And the first one with a total budget of like $4 million, a lot of that is going to actors and crew um, and then just general production costs. Juliana went on to reveal that the budget of the third film was a staggering $11 million, a portion of which was a grant from the state of Utah to incentivize Disney to film there again. We asked her to where the 62% increase of funding was directed. It was implemented in a couple of different ways. One of them was basically the picture quality. I mean, you, you take like a moment from the first or second versus a moment in the third, and they look vastly different even if it is the same, say, lunchroom set. So the budget that went to the set, there was not a ton of extra there either. Though the funding was significantly increased for the third film, that money didn't go towards transforming the East High School we saw in the first movie into a more lavish school for the third. Most of the increased funding went towards picture, lighting, and sound quality, as well as bringing in more extras and paying the increased rates of the now publicly star-studded cast. However, Juliana did note an improvement of complementary set pieces in the third film. There were some extra touches, maybe more decorations along the locker rooms that, you know, gets them to say back-to-back champions. These seem to be favoring more of the professionally printed kind of decorations as opposed to the first ones. There were definitely paper posters on butcher paper that were then hand-painted. So you do see sort of a, a general trend away from that homemade decoration to the more professionally printed. The most notable of these elements are, of course, the full floor-to-ceiling length banners of the senior basketball players. During Troy's powerhouse ballad in which he deliberates his future, he tears his banner down in frustration. At the time, he probably didn't realize the cost of those printed assets. We're estimating, but a full-color banner of that size, which is about 7 Zac Efron's tall and 1.5 Zac Efron's wide, would cost roughly $640. And since there are three hanging in the cafeteria, that's $1,920 worth of primo portraiture. All in all, the cafeteria is shockingly similar to that of East High in Salt Lake City, which could reasonably exist at a public school in Albuquerque, New Mexico. However, the fictional school does spend a bit more on decorations than a typical high school would, as seen by the various decals, enormous banners, and the pink French door-style double locker that is inexplicably given to Sharpay Evans. And yes, those lockers at the real school are still pink, though sadly they were reconverted to two standard single lockers. A moment of silence for our loss. So let's make like a nine-year-old at a soda machine and put it all together. 
The fictional East High School is a magical place, full of boisterous songs, blossoming teenager love, and unpaid student labor. And had this heartfelt story taken place in a less picturesque setting, the impact of a crooning Troy or a scene-stealing Sharpay would have been greatly diminished. So the inner Catholic schoolboy in me is over the foam moon to learn that for the most part, the East High from High School Musical has a basis in reality. That realism largely stems from the fact that nearly every location used for the films was shot at actual American high schools. Though the fictional East High School loses some plausibility since it used another school's top-tier performing arts center in place of the subpar East High Auditorium. It's harder to justify that an average public school in Albuquerque would have an idealistic gym, cafeteria, and auditorium, especially given the extraneous costs of the fictional East High that we've identified earlier, such as those of the athletics and music departments. Still, this trilogy was shot at literal schools, not on sets, so authenticity credit is due. However, there are two notable exceptions that truly exceed any plausible budget, and as honorary wildcats here at Modern Muckraker, we can say that those exceptions are borderline obnoxious. The first of which is the lavish rooftop garden that already didn't exist in the first place and would require a significant redesign along with a hefty amount of funding to create this lovebird's paradise that does not exist at any real-life high school. It's not impossible for a public high school to undertake a construction project such as this, but it certainly would be considered an excessive cost and make our fictional East High a bit unrealistic compared to the average, comparable public high school in Albuquerque, New Mexico. For the second exception, even the most advanced yogi couldn't stretch enough to justify its costs. Of course, we're referring to the budget of the spring musical seen in the third film of the franchise. It is inconceivable for a public high school to justify spending $500,000 on one school play, even if it does create the perfect send-off for our most beloved Wildcats. So is the budget of East High from High School Musical realistic for a public school in Albuquerque, New Mexico? If you take out the rooftop garden and the costly production in High School Musical 3, then yes, it is. But to remove these elements is to remove the essence of what makes East High East High. So maybe the budget isn't realistic, but the school is still perfect. And though you can take the practicality out of the budget, you can never take the spirit out of this wildcat. The final question that I just wanted to ask you was, what team? Wildcats. What team? Wildcats. What team? Wildcats! Thank you for listening to this episode of Modern Muckraker. Modern Muckraker was created and is hosted by Mike Schubert. This episode was written by Gracie Kanan and Mike Schubert. Our editor and sound designer is Brandon Grugel, and our senior project manager is Frida Lucas. Research for this episode was done by Alyssa Esteban. Our theme is by Evan Cunningham, scoring by Brandon Grugel, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. Modern Muckraker is produced by Mike Schubert and Multitude. Thanks to our experts, Haley Hastings, Gordon Cox, Jake Masters, and Juliana Varner. You can learn more about these experts, as well as many items we discussed, on this episode's page on our website, modernmuck.com. 
You can find us on social media at Modern Muck on Twitter and Instagram, as well as reddit.com slash r slash modern muckraker. This podcast was made possible thanks to our Kickstarter backers, and we'd like to give special thanks to the following supporters. Ellie, Zoe Kopp, H. Gemmel, Sydney Aquino, Vicky Garcia, The Menace Sisters, Polly Burridge, Hannah Langswert, Matt Barger, Kelsey Gillespie, Juliana Varner, Jack Schubert, Joel Schubert, Barbara Schubert, and Selena Ellerman. Join us next week for our third episode in which we will answer the question, how many IHOP locations can someone visit and eat pancakes at during one National Free Pancake Day? Until then, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the truth.